Welcome to TP Talks, PwC's Global Transfer Pricing podcast series. In today's episode, we will be discussing the introduction of the new draft transfer pricing bylaws by the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, or KSA, and how these draft transfer pricing bylaws will impact global multinational groups operating in the KSA. My name is Dana Hart, and joining me today, I have Mohammed Sarak, a transfer pricing partner in our Dubai office, who leads PwC's Middle East transfer pricing practice. I also have Lab Shada, a transfer pricing partner in our Abu Dhabi office, and Weil Osman, a tax and zakat partner in our Al Kabar office. Okay, so to get started, on December 10th, the General Authority for Zakat and Taxes, or Gazette, released its long-awaited draft transfer pricing bylaws, which will impact taxpayers in the KSA for their financial year in 2018. Mohammed, can you help set the scene for the important areas the draft transfer pricing bylaws cover? Yes, uh, Dana, thank you very much. And uh, hello to everybody listening in to this podcast. The publication of the draft bylaws is a massive step forward to formalizing the transfer pricing requirements within the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, KSA. And effectively, the laws, the the bylaws, now make a a significant change to what previously existed within the KSA as far as transfer pricing uh, is concerned. Just to set the scene retrospectively, prior to the publication of the draft bylaws, the KSA tax law didn't actually contain any transfer pricing rules or guidelines as such. However, transactions between related parties and the arm's length principle were kind of addressed in the income tax law. So there were some articles of the law that gave the tax authority the right to reallocate revenues and expenses in transactions between related parties. And also there were some articles that referred to the terms relating to what related parties mean and the term common control. There were some articles also in relation to how permanent establishments were treated. So how, where you have, other than a non-resident party with no permanent establishment, what documentation needed to support the precise determination of tax payable, there was some guidance given on that in the law. And taken together, the old law basically gave the Gazette the authority to request underlying documentation on a fairly subjective basis. However, there was no real guidance or detail in relation to how the arm's length principle was applied or can be applied. There was no references to what methods could be applied. Uh, there was no real references to or you know, nuances relating to the OECD guidance whatsoever. And I guess the arm's length principle, even that was quite a vague concept under the existing income tax law. But this change and the introduction of the bylaws is a complete overhaul of all of that. So later on, we'll go into much more detail, but the arm's length principle is much more clearly defined. The concept of related parties uh, and controlled transactions are much more clearly defined. All of the methods are stipulated in the bylaws, and there is much, much more concrete detail now in relation to the stipulations around documentation and disclosures to the tax authority. And there are specific deadlines starting from financial year end 2018 for tax paying companies in Saudi Arabia. So this is really a a massive change 
and uh, it's going to have a significant impact on taxpayers, foreign-owned, and to some extent domestically-owned uh, companies operating in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Great. Thank you for setting the scene, Mohammed. Lob, so it seems like the transfer pricing bylaws have resulted in substantial compliance requirements for KSA taxpayers. What are they? Is, is CBCR introduced, for example? Thanks, Dana. Indeed, uh, the introduction of these draft transfer pricing bylaws, which we expect will be uh, issued in final form shortly, have introduced uh, a series of transfer pricing compliance requirements in KSA. Two things to start that off. These compliance requirements will apply for the 2018 financial year. So for year ending December 31, 2018, which a lot of our audience today might have as their year end, it will apply uh, to that financial year. And it will apply with a very, very short time frame to, to be able to put these documents together. So the expected deadline is April 30th, 2019, as per the current draft bylaws, which says that these documents must be prepared within 120 days. So what are these documents? There are four distinct documents that need to be prepared. The first one is what is known as the Control Transaction Disclosure Form. For those of our listeners who are in the U.S., this is the equivalent of a 5472, and it's fairly consistent with what we've seen in many other parts of the world. This disclosure form, it will have about 10 items of information on transactions, methods, amounts, and a very clear certification from management of the taxpayer, whether they have maintained their transfer pricing documentation consisting of a local file and master file. So that brings me to the other two requirements, which is a local file requirement. And the local file requirement is very consistent as what we've seen so far with the OECD local file requirements, with one or two exceptions. The first one being there is a requirement for an industry analysis, which currently the OECD requirements do not seem to have. Uh, but we do often see that in transfer pricing reports, and a preference for local comparable analyses, which is, again, a consistent theme that we are seeing in this Middle East region. We also expect that the master file requirements, as proposed, will stay, and they are, again, very consistent with the OECD master file requirements. Um, and then, Dana, yes, country-by-country country reporting has been introduced. Uh, it will apply to multinational groups that exceed a revenue threshold of 3.2 billion Saudi rials, which again brings it fairly consistent to the 750 million euro threshold. Again, this applies for the 2018 taxation year with the first filing due at the end of 2019. But again, an important deadline is the notification that must be filed by April 30, 2019. So there is going to be a significant amount of compliance. If a taxpayer was doing, is or has been doing business in the KSA, uh, a lot has changed over the last 50 days. Um, you know, before December 10th, there was no requirement for any of these documents to be maintained. And now these will have to be maintained by April 30th, 2019. Great. Thank you, Lav. Mohammed, coming back to you, based on Lav's explanation of the requirements, I assume there's enough time for taxpayers to comply with the new requirements. Can you touch on that for us? To go back to Lav's earlier point, there is a 120-day deadline for these requirements to be met. So the control transaction, disclosure form, the master file, and the local file 
have to be prepared 120 days from the financial year end. Now, uh, for those with 31st of December year end for 2018, what that would mean would be the 30th of April 2019. So you can see the time frame is extremely short for those types of groups uh, operating in the kingdom with the 31st of December year end. For those with a year end any other month, then basically it, the earliest date would be the 30th of April. In other words, the 31st of December year end, that's 30th of April, but any other date after the 31st of December, it's 120 days after that particular year end. So just to give you an example, if we were talking about a 30th of June year end, then it would be 120 days from the 30th of June 2019, which would be effectively 30th of October. So the 31st of December year end constitutes the earliest date, but that only gives taxpayers up to the 30th of April. Now, as Lav mentioned, the deadline uh, for comments in terms of submitting comments to the Gazette was the 9th of January. The draft bylaws haven't yet been finalized. There are many questions from clients as to whether these deadlines could be extended. There is a chance that they could be extended, but based on previous form, in terms of other bylaws that the Gazette and the Ministry of Finance for KSA have written, it is unlikely that the deadlines will be shifted. But we keep monitoring this on a daily basis to see what happens. But right now, taxpayers should be readying themselves, particularly those with a 31st of December year-end, to ensure that they have their compliance requirements met by the 30th of April. Great. Thank you, Mohammed. Love, can you explain what additional analyses will be required to be done by multinationals that may have already prepared documentation on a global basis? That's a great question, Dana. One of the things that um, these rules bring into consideration is the very expanded and very wide definition of what constitutes a control transaction amongst related parties. And there is a concept of effective control. As a result of this expanded definition, we are finding working with a lot of our clients that are multinationals that currently prepare transfer pricing documentation has not considered what would be otherwise a control transaction now for these KSA transfer pricing bylaws. And hence, one of the first analyses that multinationals should be engaging in is to understand what is the, the scope of transactions that will be covered by these bylaws and then to consider whether they have the documentation that covers these transactions. And it will be also further discussed on this podcast, but another important aspect is that these bylaws cover transactions amongst domestic KSA taxpayers that are within a control group as well. So these are some important additional analyses that we don't see currently covered in multinational transfer pricing documentation that's already been prepared. Good to know. Thank you, Love. My next question is for you, Weil. Given your local experience in the KSA, is it just foreign-owned taxpayers that will be affected by the new bylaws? Thanks, Dana. It's, it's actually very debatable. Uh, it's a debatable question even among the advisors regarding this point. But before we go there, I would like just to give a quick feedback on the system in Saudi Arabia in respect of taxation, especially for a multinational client and U.S. client. Uh, under the Saudi regulation, we have the corporate income tax and zakat regulation. 
whereby the corporate income tax is imposed on non-Saudi shareholders or non-residents who conduct business in Saudi through a permanent establishment, while zakat is imposed on Saudi shareholders and whoever deemed to be Saudi, and those mainly persons who are uh, holding the nationality of other GCC countries. Of course, there are some exceptions, but this is uh, in general. Now, let me just touch on zakat system. Uh, zakat mainly, it's an Islamic levy imposed at the rate of 2.5% on the net wealth of the company or net adjusted income, whichever is higher. Of course, part of the net wealth is the net adjusted income, which will be in somehow affected by any adjustment that could result from TP adjustments. Uh, in Saudi Arabia, we have also what we called mixed company, whereby the shareholders are subject to tax and to zakat. And here's the dilemma, because... Uh, if a company, for example, owned 50-50, 50 by a Saudi shareholders and 50 by a foreign shareholders, we would need to calculate the net adjusted income based on the tax law and based on the, based on the zakat regulation, which is fairly similar. But of course, with the introduction of the TB, there might be some adjustment res resulting from uh, the TB, which ultimately would affect the net adjusted income for both shareholders, Saudi and non-Saudi. Now, if we go through the TB regulation, Article 2 made it very clear that this guidelines applies on the taxpayers as defined in the tax law and its rule of implementation unless otherwise stated. Also, if we go to Article 19 of the T bylaw, which is the exceptions, it made it very clear by using the word person rather than taxpayers, where it says uh, that the Gazette has the right to request persons to submit or to comply with the uh, requirements related to local and master file if there is a transactions within those persons who are considered to be related party and conducting transaction within the territory of Saudi Arabia. So that by itself, it gives a room to the tax authority to ask any person or to request from any person to comply with the reporting requirement in terms of local file and master file. Now, when we intercept these two articles that we've just discussed with the zakat regulations under article 9 paragraph 6 of the zakat regulation itself it emphasizes that transactions between related party has to be at arm length basis and more importantly currently there is a draft subject for consultation for the zakat regulation and notably they have emphasized on the concept of effective control. So that gives an indication that there is some sort of interaction between the zakat by law and the TB by law. So taking all this into consideration, we believe that the tax authority or gazette most likely 
will questions related party transactions made between the zakat payers on the basis of Article 19 of the TB bylaw. That's interesting. Thank you, Weil. Lob, I wanted to ask you, going back to foreign-owned KSA taxpayers, do the transfer pricing bylaws provide any mechanism for relief from double taxation? Yeah, one of the really good parts uh, coming out of these draft bylaws is a entire section on corresponding adjustments. And um, there is a very clear intention for the Gazette to engage with taxpayers on the, the possibility of relieving economic double taxation. What we are seeing is a fairly consistent, again, procedure that's being prescribed. Details are yet to be released. But taxpayers that have faced transfer pricing adjustments in an overseas jurisdiction will be able to, subject to there being a tax treaty between KSA and that jurisdiction, uh, to claim double tax relief. And um, the draft bylaws go on to say that, you know, in certain circumstances where the, the Gazette believes that they should negotiate this with the overseas authority, they will use the mutual agreement procedure to do so. Um, standard timelines will apply, and it will have to, of course, be evaluated on a treaty-by-treaty treaty basis. Uh, but this is, again, a, a very good uh, measure to uh, for taxpayers that, uh, you know, um, economic double taxation relief will be available. Okay, thank you, Lav. I also wanted to ask you, what about those taxpayers that would like to obtain certainty in their KSA transfer pricing arrangements. Has an APA program been introduced? Uh, at this point, there has been no commentary on an APA program. We have, as a firm, made that as actually a comment in our letter to the, the Gazette when our comments were solicited. Um, we are hoping maybe some of those comments are, are taken on board and a APA program is indeed either announced or for the future or introduced. But at this point, an APA program has not been uh, introduced as part of these draft bylaws. Okay, thank you, Lav. I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens. While when we see transfer pricing regulations introduced in other parts of the world to the same broad extent as we now see for the KSA, the development of tax authority capability and the consequent impact on tax audit activity is key. What are your views on the ground? Are you seeing any significant change in this area? Uh, well, in fact, uh, we have seen tremendous changes in two aspects from Gazette in terms of how they approach tax and zakat payers and how they are investing in their uh, team. Uh, obviously, uh, as we all know, Saudi Arabia is part of G20 and they have endorsed BIPS action plans. So I believe starting from the year 2015, changes start to take place within Gazette from all aspects. They have actually established an international tax department within Gazette and they have appointed a head of international uh, tax department who used to have lots of meeting uh, within uh, AOCD, and also they built the team and the capability. However, what was lacking uh, the scene of all these uh, developments in terms of the international taxation is the fact that the tax regulation in Saudi doesn't really have the legal frame to start applying uh, BIPs, and within that, of course, the TB. So what we have seen recently, uh, the tax authority established a department for the TB, and they have hired a very experienced, I would say, TB guy to run the TB department. 
also recently we heard that they have uh, built a team and they send them to OECD for extensive training in the TB. So we are seeing lots of changes from a technical point of view, improving the capabilities from a technical point of view. Also, the mentality of the team who is, uh, I would say, running gazettes. There have been lots of appointments uh, in terms of the employees, and uh, we noted that they are well-educated and they are more flexible from a commercial aspect. Now, that coupled with the fact that we've seen, especially in the last two years, some questions from the tax authority touched on uh, BIPS action plans and also examining the transactions between related party, but I would say in a very shy way. And that's again, because there is no legal frame to govern how the tax authority uh, should tackle those points related to the BIPS action plans and the TP. So we are expecting to see a tremendous change in the nature of the questions addressed by the tax authority to the taxpayers to tackle the points related to BIPs action plans and TB. Okay, um, following on from this while, if taxpayers do not comply and they get audited and documentation gets requested, what might be the consequences? Well, currently from our reading of the TB by law, there is no specific provision for penalty, either monetary or non-monetary. However, uh, the TB referred to the tax law regulations and the implementation rules. I believe that whenever there is a tax a TB adjustment, the penalty addressed in the tax law would be applied, which is mainly the delay fine penalty and evasion penalty. However, if we, from a non-monetary perspective, uh, we believe non-complying with the documentation requirements it could hold off the issuance of the tax certificate. And by holding the tax certificate, this will cause a huge entrepence to the business itself. Like the company wouldn't be able to submit a bid. We will, they will not be able to renew uh, e-commerce for, uh, for their employees. And almost it will freeze all uh, business activity that the company would expect to. Great. Thank you, Wow. Mohammed, my final question is for you. Now that the KSA has introduced the transfer pricing bylaws, do you see other tax authorities in the region following suit? I think that is an interesting uh, question, uh, Dana. Um, well, first of all, it's important to mention that Egypt has actually had extensive set of transfer pricing guidelines and regulations since 2010. Uh, and only recently, in October 2018, it substantially updated those guidelines. So it introduced, for example, country-by-country country reporting for the first time. It also introduced an APA program. And generally, it took on board some other related guidance from the OECD to modernize its uh, transfer pricing regime. So I think that's a very interesting development. I mention Egypt, as I say, because it was one of the first countries in the region to have extensive regulations in, in transfer pricing. Um, but recently, beyond Egypt, we have seen, for example, that the state of Qatar 
provisionally introduced country-by-country reporting requirements, although it has now delayed those uh, for at least a year. But also there's been talk, for example, uh, in the state of Bahrain, that country-by-country reporting would also be introduced for Bahrain as well. And we know that the Central Bank of Bahrain has been discussing with a number of banks operating in Bahrain greater disclosure requirements, which um, kind of relate to the developments that we see in the tax disclosure requirements internationally. The United Arab Emirates, we have heard for a number of years that some consideration has been given by the Ministry of Finance for the introduction of corporate income tax for the first time in the United Arab Emirates. Actually, um, very recently, in the last couple of years, many of your listeners will know that uh, value-added tax has been introduced in the United Arab Emirates. Value-added tax was talked about for a number of years before it was introduced. Finally, it was introduced last year. And uh, as value-added tax was discussed for a number of years. Corporate income tax has been discussed for a number of years. And one can imagine that following the introduction of corporate income tax in the UAE in the future, all the associated regulations relating to transfer pricing and country-by-country reporting will also follow suit. Actually, United Arab Emirates is an interesting country in the sense that it's not true that there's no corporate income tax because for foreign-owned banks uh, and some companies operating in oil and gas, they are subjected to corporate income tax. So I think with the United Arab Emirates, it's very much a case of watching the space. Other countries in the region, for example, when we talk about countries like Oman or when we talk about Iraq or when we talk about Kuwait, they are similar in as KSA was before it introduced its new transfer pricing bylaws in that their domestic tax legislation has some provisions uh, in them already relating to intercompany transactions and their treatments. But just like in the case of Saudi Arabia, there isn't anything really extensive in the form of all the things that we've been discussing on this uh, podcast. For example, those relating to transfer pricing methods or things like corresponding adjustments and so on and so forth. So there's really not much in them. However, one can definitely imagine that the other GCC countries, uh, GCC, the Gulf Cooperation Council countries, will at some point in the future follow Saudi Arabia because of what's happening uh, internationally, because of the tax transparency agenda of the OECD uh, and of the UN and many other international bodies. You can imagine that these countries will also follow suit and introduce their own transfer pricing guidelines in the future. How long that will take, how long that will be, is anyone's guess. Things tend to move at fairly slow pace in the Middle East region. But I can definitely imagine that now that the transfer pricing bylaws have been introduced in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, which is one of the biggest economies, and it's the biggest economy in the GCC, the other countries in the GCC will follow suit at some point in the near future. Fantastic. Thank you, Mohammed, Lav, and Weil. And thank you to everyone who listened to this podcast. If you would like further information about this topic, please contact the speakers Their contact information is in the description of this episode on our TP Talks website. Thank you.